Well, hello everybody. This is Hal. This is Melanie. We want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. We're coming to you from an undisclosed location in Southern Illinois today. We've got a question that comes up from time to time, like all the time. All the time. How in the world do I get my kids to work? Uh-huh. Uh, you, a lot of families a, it, don't. Well, it's a huge problem now. Mm-hmm. I read that only 28% of families give their kids any chores at all. Mm-hmm. And of the ones that ask their kids to work, mm-hmm. 70% of those say that their kids won't do it, rebel, talk back, give them a hard time about it. So really you're saying that only only about one out of three, fam- less than one out of three families have the, have even an expectation that their children are going to help around the house. Yeah. Or, or however they define that. And so... And of those one out of three families, most of them are failing at it. Yeah, well, and and it shows. I mean, I think culturally it shows. Well, it shows anytime you drive through a restaurant and try mm-hmm. to get somebody to work and to serve you. It's right. It's tough. People don't want to work. Mm-hmm. They've never learned the value of work. But, you know, that's something that people argue about a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I hear people saying, they say that they give their kids chores, but the grandparents say, they need to just be kids. You shouldn't require them to work. That's not fair. Let kids uh, be kids. Well, you know, one of my one of my great grandmothers um, didn't believe children should play at all. She really? Didn't believe, she didn't believe in playtime or rest time. If you were resting, then you were supposed to be doing something with your hands. Wow. <clears throat> and so that there's, you know, some of the older generations had a very strict view about how children's days should be spent. And I guess maybe... Our grandparents were like the grandkids of those grandparents who, who thought, "Oh, I, you know what? I just I worked so hard when I went to visit Granny, and I don't don't want my grandkids to feel that way toward me." But you know what? I don't think you're doing your children any favors at all if you don't teach them how to take responsibility and to do the tasks that they're able to do. It's a balance, mm-hmm. and we see this in Scripture that play is in Scripture. Right. You know, in Isaiah, it talks about mm-hmm. that the little child will play by the cobra's den in the new heavens and the new and the new earth. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus right. talks about children playing in the streets. Play is a normal, natural part of childhood. <laughs> it's the way they practice adulthood. Well, it's, and it's a the, good thing. Well, the prophet Zechariah talks about this in chapter eight, where he says, "The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets." That that was just like a, a city at peace has room for children to be playing. And and so that's it's not that it's you know that playing is not an inappropriate thing for children. No, it's it's it is a type of work for children. Mm-hmm. It's a way that they practice adulthood, that they learn some things. But also, work mm-hmm. is appropriate for kids. Right. You know, it says mm-hmm. it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, and the scripture talks about how we should be working. Not as men pleasers, just when we're being watched, mm-hmm. but how we ought to work in a way that pleases God. And that's something that we can begin to teach our children when they are young so that they don't have to try and learn this when they are old and may have, have a much harder time assimilating the idea. Well, so, because yeah. like Proverbs, it uh-huh. says in chapter 12, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put the forced labor. And later in chapter 16, it says, in all labor there's profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Work is good. Play is good. Work is good. And you know what? It, this is something, this is a cultural issue 
because I'll, I've just been reading that there's a rise of something. It, it first got a name in China, but it's spreading in the United States and the Western nations as well. The idea of somebody who has a job working for a company, but he commits himself to doing the absolute minimum to get by and to get paid. It's basically called quiet quitting. A lot of people do that. And you know what? That That is going to be a problem. It's, it's, it is a problem, but it is going to become a very market problem if it spreads any further. But, but, but here's the thing. When the culture has the bar set so low, if you train your children well, they can far exceed the expectations toward their generation. Well, for example, if you teach your child to think like a business owner, uh-huh. then if he's going to behave like a business owner in his work, he's going to get promoted faster than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean by think like a business owner? Do you remember mm-hmm. when we were um, camping mm-hmm. and you went to get ice at right. this gas station? It was, yeah, you, it, was like the, it was like the little convenience store at the campground. Yeah, and it was 15 minutes before closing time. Yeah. And you walked up Plenty to the time. door. Yeah. And they walked up to the door and locked the door in your face mm-hmm. and said, we're closed. You know, even though I told them, I just need a bag of ice. And they said, no, we're closed. And, and then it's like, like a couple of days later, mm-hmm. we're driving along and we pull into a gas station to fill up our big 15 passenger van. Right. And as we pull up, the lights go down. And we, and thought, then, and we thought, oh, they must be closing down. We just got here too late. But then the lights all came back up. And we said, oh. Okay, I guess they saw us, and they decided that they're going to stay open for a little bit. So we went inside, and while you know, while the kids were using the restroom or whatever, we got to talking with the uh, the man behind the counter and said, "So, do you own the station here?" He said, "Yes, I do." It was very definitely the owner of the place, and we told the kids when we all got back in the van. I said, "You know, that man was the owner. He was the businessman who looked out at that large van full of people and thought, you know what." That van holds over 30 gallons of gas. That would be quite a sale if they decide to fill up. And in fact, with all of those people there, they might be wanting a snack. They might be wanting something to drink. I think I'll leave the lights on for a few minutes. Dinner will wait. You know what? When we we got done with that, we explained to our kids the difference between someone who's working and they don't care, they're trying to do the absolute minimum, and someone who who is either a business owner or working like a business owner. Right. Because if you work like you own the business, mm-hmm. either one day you'll own your own business or you will be the highest ranking employee in that business. Well, there's a concept that we see in the scripture, and, and I don't think we teach about it enough, and that is the idea of, of the steward. The steward is not the owner of the estate, but the steward is the trusted manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately God owns everything that we think is our belonging, but truly we are just the managers of what God has placed into our control for a time. And that's really the way that we, we should see ourselves when we go to work for someone else. That, hey, this other person may be the business owner. This job is the job that he wants done, but he is entrusting me with the opportunity to serve in this role. Yes. And you see in scriptures that stewards sometimes were elevated to very high positions, even though they weren't masters of the estate. Well, you know... You need to talk to your kids about work mm-hmm. and about money. They need to understand that money is a voucher for work, that money represents work. Well, okay, yeah. my, my, my favorite illustration of that is from uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder's book, um, Farmer Boy, where she talks about, yes, where she talks about um, the, her 
future Almanza. husband, Almanza. Thank you. Yes. And a lesson his father gave him that basically explained to him that the money that he had was holding in his hand represented a bunch of different tasks that he had done on the farm. Yes, he wanted money to spend on lemonade. Mm-hmm. His dad gave him money. Right. And he said, but you realize that this half dollar uh-huh. is how much we get for a bushel of potatoes. And he just reminded him all the oh. things he'd done to earn those potatoes, to get to bring those potatoes to market. And that's a huge concept because we just look at the money and say, oh, this is the way that I buy things. And we don't think, well, where did that come from? What does it represent? Yes. It represents somebody's hard work somewhere along the line. Value that somebody created or passed along. And when our kids understand that, it kind of changes things. It changes their attitude toward work mm-hmm. when they realize that it's work that supplies the things that we need to live. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, though, probably the very most important part of motivating your kids to work is you. And it, uh-huh. what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, your attitude is infectious. If we whine about work, our kids are going to see work as a horrible thing. And, you know, we slip into that. It's so easy it's so to get easy. cynical and to, and to be grumbling and complaining. And scriptures tell us to be do, not to grumble or complain about anything. You know, that's not something we should be doing. But we indulge ourselves in that so easily. And work is a favorite topic. Oh, the boss is so awful. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, this is such a drag. Oh, you know what? And all of that may be true, and yet we don't have to dwell on it and harp on it and fill our children's ears with it when the only thing that they know is what they hear their dad or their mom say. I'll tell you something else, something we should be filling our kids' ears with, Mm -hmm. authentic praise about work. Because Mm -hmm. when we recognize the contribution that our kids are making to our home, when when I say to a child, you know what, thank you for rotating the dishwasher. Uh Because you did that job, I was able to counsel a mom on the phone and help a new homeschool mom. Mm -hmm. That's partly your ministry too. When they see that their contributions to the home are important, are valued, mm-hmm. are something that that's necessary, when we praise them for it, we say, you know what? You showed great initiative. When you got up this morning and you did your chores without me asking, I'm so mm-hmm. proud of you. Oh, kids will break their neck to get that kind of praise. That That is so important. And, and I think, you know, it's important to recognize we shouldn't be wasting our time and attention or our children's time and attention on things that aren't really necessary good things to be doing, you know? Well, you know, another way that we uh-huh. motivate our kids to work right. is, do you, you know, I think one of the most common phrases uh-huh. a two to four-year-old says what? is, I want to be with you. Yeah, they do. And, and you know what? It, having those little ones underfoot can be inconvenient. You have to be alert, right? It's a distraction. And yet, it could be a powerful time for their learning. Well, and and not, but not even it's not just little kids that want to be with with you, right? Even our teens want to be with us, even if they'd never admit it. Mm. You know, our kids want to be with us, and if you want your kids to love work, work alongside them. Mm-hmm. You know, don't say, "Oh, go do this." Mm-hmm. If they're really struggling with their attitude about work, say, "Hey, come with me. Let's do this. Let's go do this." Whether it's Yard work, or fixing a car, or, or cleaning, cleaning in the house, or, or cooking a meal, or whatever it is. Come on, let's go do this together. Yes, because they crave being with us. Mm-hmm. They desire to be with us. And, you know, that they want to be like us. Mm-hmm. Our young kids want to be like us. They want to be like mom and dad. Yeah. Our older kids, our teen, preteens up, mm-hmm. they want to be adults. Yeah. And when we work alongside them, 
then they get they get to practice being grown-ups. They get to do grown-up things. And that, that really motivates kids. You know what? And that's how Jesus trained the disciples in ministry. If you think yeah. about it, he didn't sit them down in a classroom and give them written tests and then graduate them and say, all right, now go out and do ministry. I mean, he, he brought them alongside with him and said, all right, we're going to do this together. You help me with this. He trained them how to do things and then sent them out to do them you know, and check afterwards to see how do you do it individually. But I mean, what a powerful example we have in Jesus training his own disciples. And that's what we've got. We've got a house full of disciples. Hopefully they're disciples of Jesus Christ first. But whether we ask them to or not, they are disciples of their mom and dad. They are. And our example really cuts both ways on this. Mm -hmm. Because if we work cheerfully and we do a good job and we work hard, Mm -hmm. that's an example to our kids. But if we obsess about work and we spend all our time working Uh and our work takes us away from them, then they resent work too. Well, you consider that God made the heavens and the earth in six days, and then on the seventh day he rested. You know, that he gives us that example, and in the Old Testament economy, the idea that you work six days, but then the seventh day, tools down, take a day of rest and of worship and reflection and all the rest of that. And, you know, we can follow that example and and recognize that there's times to be diligent and busy in our work, and there's times to rest from our work. Hell, I struggle with this. I'm a workaholic. Mm-hmm. I love what we do, and I could do it 18 hours a day, but my mm-hmm. kids need me to be present. Mm-hmm. And so I have to I have to realize that there are things more important than getting the work done. Right. And that's something that I think a lot of moms really struggle with. When your, your kids will grow up so quickly and leave home so quickly, mm-hmm. and at that point you really won't care how often the, the kitchen floor got mopped. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you'll care about is that time you spent with your kids. And so, you know, we need to be careful not to demotivate our kids for work right. by being workaholics or demotivate our kids for work by being whiners about work. You know, we need whineaholics. To, whineaholics. Whinos. We need to be in between. Right. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And our kids, we want our kids to be like a to want to be like us. We want to have that mm-hmm. kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, so, all right. So, so we need to we need to talk about some specific areas. I think that a lot of people are going to be interested to, to the question: How do I get schoolwork done? How do I get them to do chores? So, we're going to do two more podcasts, right, about schoolwork and about chores. But I wanted to share a Tom Edison quote. Can I go right ahead? Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want our kids to miss opportunities. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning in. Mm -hmm. We would love it if you would leave a review because that helps people to find our podcast. That's right. We realized just recently we were about to celebrate our ninth anniversary doing this podcast. Wow. Can you believe it? Nine years? Yes. And so please leave us a review. Mm -hmm. Let us know what you're thinking. And head out to our website Mm -hmm. at RaisingRealMen.com where Mm -hmm. our book, Raising Real Men, Mm -hmm. talks about teaching your boys how to work. Yes. And our book, No Longer Little, talks about the specific challenges in getting preteens to work mm. in one of the chapters there. So All right. Very check good. those things out. Yes. All right. So, look, we appreciate your time with us and look forward to hearing from you. So, please check us out again in the future as we talk about taking biblical family life into the 21st century. Okay? Until next time, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And thanks for joining us. Bye, y'all.
You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.
You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.